Um, so I gotta warn you that today I am going to uh, let my nerdy theology and science geeky self come out. And so my hope is that by the time we're done this morning, you will hear something that will help you to better understand um, prayer in your life, just a little bit better. My fear is that you're gonna think I am super weird by the time that we're done. So I'm praying right now, we're talking about prayer, and I'm praying right now for the Holy Spirit that it will be the former and not the latter. But one of the consequences from my early life of losing my father very tragically at a very young age is that I have always had a theological curiosity about what happens when we pray and why do, do bad things happen to good people and, and truly what is God's agency? How does God work in this world? And it is very much related to how we understand God responds to our prayers. So today we are going to talk about prayer because a truly ambitious church, first and foremost, prays regularly. But secondly, believes that God will respond to those prayers. So let's hear our scripture reading for this morning. Coming from Ephesians 3, verses 14 through 21, hear this beautiful prayer. This is why I kneel before the Father. Every ethnic group in heaven or on earth is recognized by him. I ask that he will strengthen you in your inner selves from the riches of his glory through the Spirit. I ask that Christ will live in your hearts through faith. As a result of having strong roots in love, I ask that you'll have the power to grasp love's width and length and height and depth together with all believers. I ask that you'll know the love of Christ that is beyond knowledge so that you will be filled entirely with the fullness of God. Glory to God, who is able to do far beyond all that we could ask or imagine by his power at work within us. Glory to him in the church and in Jesus Christ for all generations, forever and always. Amen. This is God's word for all of God's people. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Oh Lord, truly, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So a bad drought, worse than what we've experienced of late, settled on the land and the churches in the community all began to pray in a very different response to what was going on. So one church uh, looked at this and felt like, well, this is God's providence that this drought would come to us. And so they begin to pray, Lord, help us to understand what is it we're supposed to learn from this. So another church um, decided, all right, well, we're going to gather and form a committee, a team, and figure out what it is that we need to do in response to this drought. And another church gathered for a prayer meeting to pray for rain. But interestingly, only one woman actually brought her umbrella. <laughs> but when we do pray, um, our prayer has less to do with how we pray more to do with our understanding of who we pray to and how we think God responds. 
It's a really important sentence there. Because maybe we assume that we leave things in God's hands, right? It's God's providence, so God will do what God will do. Or do we bring an umbrella and we pray to influence God's actions? Or do we respond by simply just trying to do our best to figure out how we can meet some needs with what we have to work with? So to begin this conversation about prayer, we've just heard a beautiful example from uh, Ephesians. And I won't say this is Paul's prayer because the, the collective um, scholarship is that Ephesians was written by a disciple of Paul after Paul's death. But, it, uh, and also it wasn't actually written just to the church in Ephesus. It was written for all Christians everywhere to hear this teaching. Because this is what was going on. By this point in time, uh, Paul and his disciples believed that Jesus was going to come back in their lifetime. But by this point in time, they realized, hmm, I'm not sure that's what's going to happen. As they watched apostle after apostle be arrested and most of them martyred. And so the, the disciples and, and the people, uh, the leaders were really struggling with whether the church could or would hang on. Would they survive? By this time, the temple was in ruins, so the Jews were all in disarray. The early Christians were worshiping in tiny house churches, communities, and so they were praying for those struggling to hang on to their faith and that they would know Jesus fully. So while the prayer is beautiful and is absolutely an example for us to be able to shape our own prayer life, my question is, does this prayer actually matter? Did it matter then? Does it have an effect? How does God respond to our prayers? And I bet I'm not the only one in this room that wonders that. So I want to share with you some work that I've done on this topic. Uh, one of the required readings for my um, continuing ed trip to England, and by the way, thank you for the gift of being away. Thank you for the opportunity to learn and study. Uh, but one of the required readings was David Wilkinson's When I Pray, What Does God Do? And David was uh, the coordinator for the part of our trip where we spent in Durham, England. And he is the head of St. John's College, which is part of Durham University. Now, the fascinating thing about David is he is both an ordained United Methodist minister, but he is also a quantum physicist. That is not a combination that you find very often. And he was fascinating to listen to his lectures and to process and talk about his reading. Uh, and, and he truly helped me to uh, get a better framing of my own understanding and expectations in my personal prayer life. And maybe this will be helpful for you too. So let's start by thinking about what happens when we pray. So maybe the most basic question is, does our prayer change or influence God? Or do our prayers change and influence us? Which of these is going on? And so if we revisit the drought example, and let's say that we are praying for rain, then some would argue that our prayer for rain does not necessarily move God to make it rain. But theologians like Soren Kierkegaard argued that our praying for rain would change us by moving us to want to help care for folks that are actually suffering from the drought. So his famous quote is, the function of prayer is not to influence God, but rather to change the nature of the one who prays. So 
prayer and scripture absolutely have the power to change a person by moving them to respond while God hasn't really acted in any tangible way. But is that all that happens? Surely there's more going on when we pray. But I think we would absolutely all agree that whether we understand what happens when we pray or not, prayer does have the power to transform us. But my question though is, what does God do when we pray, not what happens to us? And this is where I had my whole mindset shift. So bear with me as I do a little bit of science talk, but I think the science has historically influenced our theology and our prayer life in ways that we might not realize. There is a connection. Science and theology have been talking to each other and informing one another for years. So in 1686, Sir Isaac Newton developed the theory of gravity, and then off the world went in motion about this Newtonian physics that, <coughs> excuse me, that can explain um, the amazing creation of God through laws that create order, right? So we can explain how the world functions using science. For instance, now we can explain day and night in the seasons of the year because we understand the gravitational pull of the earth rotating around the sun. The result is a theological understanding that, for me this metaphor works, God is the great watchmaker. He created a perfect watch, he set it into motion with known laws and rules. So if it's the case then that this would imply um, that our prayers are not really needed because God has set the world in motion and the watch doesn't need to be fixed because, and so therefore God is this distant God who chooses not to intervene because all is working as originally planned. Or it implies that if God does keep intervening in our world, then the work of the great watchmaker is actually flawed because the watchmaker has to keep tinkering and fixing. But that's a limitation within the context of Newtonian physics. And I realize that I myself have tried to put God in this ordered box and that has caused me to struggle understanding when God, the great watchmaker, might choose to intervene, tinker or fix, and when God might not. So where is the justice of, the, of that? The inconsistency bothered me. And I've become quite good, though, at justifying unanswered prayers because I've been looking at the world through this ordered lens that didn't give God much room to work and then would, as a result, kind of look at miracles with a bit of skepticism or suspicion. However, now, scientists admit that modern science has proven that the world is not as predictable as Newtonian physics would lead us to believe. <coughs> Sorry. For instance, take quantum physics, right? Not something you talk about every day. Bear with me, you can do this, you can do this. Quantum physics proves that um, we cannot actually know the exact location of ele an electron at any given moment. We can know the range of locations, but we can't pinpoint it exactly. And then take chaos theory. I love chaos theory. This theory is this says that the system can be so sensitive that a slight change in any of the originating circumstances can cause a vast difference in the outcomes. 
So like the butterfly effect that some believe that, uh, or make the argument a butterfly wing flapping in South America can lead to a tornado in Oklahoma. Um, think about our weather predictions. Meteorologists cannot perfectly predict the weather because of chaos theory. Tiny factors can change the final outcome. Even though they can estimate, they're never perfectly accurate. We know this. So with these two reminders that everything is not perfectly ordered and predictable in our world, we now see space for God to interact with the world without being bound to rigid laws. I love this. <laughs> so, while this doesn't exactly answer how God answers prayers, we do now begin to see that God can work in our world today. We see that there is space that God has created for God to continue to shape and respond to God's own creation. And I find that very comforting to think in terms of not every response that God might have to our prayer requires a grand miracle, but instead God has built in opportunity to be in dynamic relationship with us, with humanity. Now, what's really cool about this is that we live in a world of both clocks and clouds, all right? So philosopher Karl Popper said that uh, this means that, that there still are, there are some systems that are still ordered. Like the earth does rotate around the sun, creating our seasons of the year and our calendar. So we have the order of the clocks, but we also have the chaos of the clouds surrounding us and guiding both God and our prayers. For instance, let's say again, we pray for rain. Well, God can choose to influence creation and create a rainstorm. That is within the normal possibilities. But let's say we, sp we pray for spring to follow summer. Well, that's not within um, the system of the earth rotating around the sun, so that doesn't make sense. That requires God to bend the laws in ways God typically chooses not to. So the answer to that prayer is probably going to be no. So the other concept that I add into the mix that is helpful for me in understanding prayer <clears throat> helps to explain the dynamic aspect of God's relationship with humanity. So this is a, there's two theories here. One is process theory, one is open theory, and they're similar in, in a lot of ways. But these theories believe that humanity does have some free agency that God has given us to make choices that we can either turn towards God or we can turn away from God. And therefore, God then works in these ways of persuasion and interacting with humanity in a dynamic way think provenient grace with our John Wesleyan roots that um, will, would encourage our uh, thinking and our prayer life that we believe that God responds to our prayers um, in ways that, that do influence us. So this would, would be in line with Kierkegaard, uh, no, it would be, um, sorry, it would move beyond Kierkegaard's thinking of prayer simply just influences the mind of the one who prays but that it actually gives space for God to interact with us. And a lot of times those interactions come in unexpected ways. 
And here are some reasons that we can trust that and believe that to be true uh, because, first of all, God's unexpected choices. For instance, the vulnerability in which he came as uh, Jesus Christ, that incarnation of the birth and the death and the resurrection of Jesus is an unexpected choice that God has made. Because of chaos theory and quantum theory, we see that space for God to work. Because of examples of God's own free um, choice, free agency, biblically. So think of the story of the floods. After the floods, God chose to promise to Noah, I will never send floods again to destroy the earth. God self-limited God's self with that choice. Um, and so we see that God can respond in these unexpected ways, and that happens out of God's freedom to act, that God can make these choices. But it's also as well because of God's partnership with us and the freedom that humanity has to respond. Now, I've always thought of God as this great dance partner who can lead so beautifully, and we can follow. And another metaphor that's meaningful to me is the great chess player, that we, 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 um, God is always moving in a way in which God has to figure out that next best step based on the move that we choose to make on the chessboard. God's always going to win, but you and I have the complete freedom to make the choice of what our next move is going to be on the chessboard. So, again... It's not how we pray, it's not using the right words, it's not um, saying or doing the right things or the right forms of prayer, but it's understanding who we pray to that helps us make sense of our prayer life. And when our focus is on God, more on God and less on ourselves, some powerful things can happen when we spend time in prayer. Like the prayer from Ephesians, we can become partners in helping God work towards um, good, triumphing over evil. We can become partners in helping God, um, God's kingdom to grow. And so to summarize, and this, so this kind of ties all of this together so you don't think I'm totally kooky crazy, but there are lots of ways that God can respond to our prayers. And it's not just one response, but it's a combination of any of these possibilities that we might experience. So God responds by continuing to sustain and act within those structures of the universe. The earth is going to continue to rotate around the sun, right? God is also working towards transformation. Our biblical term here would be, be forming, working towards that new creation, that new creation that we are evolving, that God is constantly moving within us and the world to bring about that new creation. But God is also using our prayers to help transform us so that we become collaborators for furthering God's kingdom. So yes, when we pray, part of what the Holy Spirit does is to change and transform us so that we can be partners with God. And then sometimes God does respond to our prayers through the natural, um, hidden natural world using chaos, quantum theory, ways that we might not recognize God is actually answering our prayers. And finally, sometimes God transcends all of this and bypasses the normal pathways for God's specific good purposes. We can never take away the possibility of miracles where we just can't explain what happens. So the beauty and the reality of how God answers our prayers 
is that prayer can absolutely change us, but y'all, our prayers can also change the world. Our prayer life also reminds us of the complexity and the mystery of our amazing God. And clearly, there are questions that I cannot answer. I will never be able to answer about prayer and how it works. And you know what? I've come to be at peace with that for myself. But ultimately, this is what I believe about prayer, and it has been shaped over these last, this last month by David Wilkinson. I believe that prayer is the opportunity to bridge the space between us and God, between laws and mystery, between um, old creation and God's hoped-for new creation, and I believe it bridges that gap between where God acts and where God waits. And you know the most amazing thing of all? This is what is the most amazing to me, is that God's love for us is so powerful and so unexpected that God actually invites us through prayer, no matter the fact that our prayers may be, selfish or weak or vulnerable or so full of our humanity. In spite of that, God actually includes us through prayer to help work on God's amazing purposes. You and I, you and I get to be partners for God's kingdom work. And yes, our prayer life can be frustrating and it can be confusing at times, but with all of the mystery and with all of the possibility, it is also unbelievably exciting. You and me, kingdom partners with God. Let's pray. Lord, our Father who is in heaven, your will be done, Lord, your will. Whether we understand it fully or not, but Lord, we do long to be partners with you. We long to be your vessels so that you may use us for your good and great purposes. And we know that through our prayer life with you, you are connected to us, we are connected to you. When you know what is on our hearts, when we listen to what you place on our hearts, we are better kingdom partners. We are better Jesus followers. We are better examples in your name. And we might not understand everything that you do and why you do it or don't do it, but we trust you and we trust your ways and we know you are listening. So help our prayers to truly bridge us to you. Help our prayer time to bridge the order in our life with the mystery of your ways and help our prayers to transform us into the new creation you long for us to be. So come Holy Spirit and open our eyes and guide our ways. Amen.